there was one there's there's been challenges especially working maybe more so working in consultancy but you go into these roles and then these engagements with clients who are they're not necessarily very pleased that you're there because you know somebody's brought you in but it might not be the people that you actually day-to-day work with and those you know I've, I've been in in meetings where I've kind of just really been ignored being you know spoken over being kiboshed and you know partly I, I could I could come up with a few reasons why being the only you know the only woman on that call or the only woman on that engagement um, and that's really hammered in my imposter syndrome you know the the that horrible feeling that you get at the bottom of your stomach when you're just like oh god and you want like a, a hole to open up and the floor and you can just sink in and disappear and nothing nobody ever notices um so i've been in you know situations where i've had clients that have been you know quite you know negative towards me being there and i think some of it's been around how i've got to overcome that some of it is just been consistently showing up despite that horrible dread that you get getting out of bed on a morning but knowing that I've got to keep going because I want to get to the end I'm also really stubborn um, so I don't like to give up. Hey there welcome to the Jobs for Women podcast where we empower and uplift women to succeed and thrive in their professional life whilst looking after their well-being. In this podcast we'll be discussing the issues and challenges faced by women in the workplace with particular focus on gender equality. We believe that every woman deserves the opportunity to excel in her career, regardless of her gender. And we're committed to helping women break through the barriers that hold them back. Join us every week as we hear from experts, share stories and give advice. We've got an incredible community of women who support and encourage each other. And we're so happy that you are here. Let's break down the gender barriers and create a more equitable and inclusive workplace for all. So welcome to another episode of the Jobs for Women podcast, How They Did It. I am excited, delighted, and so ready to chat to our guest today. We have Vicky Heward, who is the director of Optimo. Welcome to the podcast, Vicky. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It's so good. And we met um, months ago um, when I was, you were talking on a panel and I was like, you are awesome and I can't wait to get ah, in the pod. Yeah. <laughs> We've finally made it happen. So as you know, this app is all about delving into your career to help yeah. women listening, whatever stage they're at, maybe think about getting into this area of work. So let's launch straight in. Why did you choose this career path or industry? So I'm a business analyst. Probably that's probably the first thing to to say. All right, yeah, I think it's one of those things that never leaves me. I've been a business analyst for, I'm gonna say, 15 years. It might be more. It might be a little bit less. I think I've lost count along the way. Um, and I got I really the main reason I got into it was because I liked to root around and find out why things did behave the way they did from a, an IT perspective. Um, so it was a bit like when you watch TV shows and you want to see what happens behind the scenes. Like if you could peel away the set and see like the man holding the boom mic, that was like how I wanted to get into IT and kind of understand if like if I clicked that button. Where else could I end up? Um, you know, those little the little things that you see uh, on screen. I'm like, what what does that mean? If there's a question mark, you can hover over it. Something pops up. I was just really intrigued. And I don't think I really understood that it was a job at the time. Um, I think I knew that people did it in the business that I was working in. But I didn't realize that actually it's a career, um, not just a job. And people do this. That, and I mean, a lot of people that I meet, 
tend to fall into business analysis in, in some way, shape or form. They don't really, it's not something you choose to get into deliberately straight from school, which is a little bit bizarre because there's a lot of room to learn and develop from a much younger age because I was 30 when I got into analysis, which is I'm a pretty late bloomer um, compared to maybe some of my colleagues. Um, but it, yeah, it's been it's been a journey and I still continue to learn and develop in this space. And, and my analytical mind doesn't just probably um, kind of stop at my working life. I'm always asking questions about stuff um, when it comes to why things happen the way they do at home. Why does the TV plug this way? Why? What happens if I plug these two things in? Does, does anything happen? Nine times out of ten now, I know we would break something, but um, yeah, and I'm very good at being asked to fix things because I work in um, as a business analyst and obviously I work in IT so I must know how to fix things and that's nine times out of ten it's just switch off and switch it again oh my God, uh, it fixes it so I seem that I, I appear to fix things but I actually I don't and I can't I can't be IT help desk for, for most of my family either <laughs> That is brilliant. I loved your description about um, looking behind the scenes. You, like, what a great description. So, what did did you do? What was the pathway in? What did you do at school? A levels? Did you go to uni? Yeah, so I did um, normal GCSEs, and then I went to college, and I actually did something totally different. I was, I wanted to get into like music and production, and uh, like a, a completely different career, um, and didn't really love that doing that either. Randomly, my uh, my daughter, she's seventeen, and she is actually pursuing the, the same career path as me, but a lot more successfully than than I did at the time. Um, and and then I went into working life basically off the back of finishing college. I didn't find a job wasn't really interested in using that qualification for anything good so um I worked for um a, a debt charity for like 16 years I was there a long time so um I, I basically worked my way up into an, an in an analysis role um where I, I kind of I was doing things like um, user acceptance testing or UAT for um, some projects when I was working that I was working on because um, I was in operations. I was I, I knew what the processes were for, within that charity. So when you know something comes in, you deal with the client, you follow these steps. This is the output. And I was really good at that because I'd been there that long. I knew pretty much everything that was happening in, in and around my department and others. Um, and I went. I moved into leadership roles, so I had I carved a bit more space out to do some learning, um, and also I got involved in things like new technology coming into the teams, into the departments, and I was able to get involved and help do some of that UAT writing the scripts, kind of telling the the techies how we use it, and then they would go away do some magic and then bring it back and go like this, and we go, mm, and then they go hang on a minute like this and you go yay so we went through you know, that's how I kind of started to see that there was somewhere else in the business that I could go rather than just leading teams who were you know client focused and outward focused um, and it was like a random stroke of luck one day that there was um, a junior systems analyst role that came up in the in the charity and I was like I could do that but it means the kind of taking away my privilege of being a you know a manager with like responsibility of like looking after people and kind of really taking a huge not a backward step but a big sideways step completely out of my comfort zone. Um, but I went for it and I, so I basically put my application form in, did like the testing, made sure I went, you know did all the different uh, scenarios. So we were tested on 
really like quite um job specific things that were it, it was relevant and it was it, it was something i could be measured on so i knew that if i didn't get it i'd probably be able to get some feedback about what what did i need to do to to improve and get me to that role because obviously i was interested in it and enough that i was prepared to go a whole different like direction in my career um i didn't actually get the job um at the at the interview i was pipped to the post by somebody else which and and this is how i knew i wanted to do it because i was absolutely mortified i was really really gutted that i didn't get the job um and then luckily enough the person who um who picked me to the post went on and they they did really well so much so that six six months later um the person who was doing the hiring came back and, and got me and said you did so so well there was literally barely anything between you and the person who was successful um, we've got some space we've got some budget please come and um please come and be our our second junior so i was luckily enough kind of plucked back into what where i wanted to be um yeah and that's how i kind of got into doing it so i, I literally started at the bottom got in from like from the from the ground floor um, I had a great mentor who um, who really really worked well with me. So um, Tammy uh, Tammy Kennedy, um, she she's a, a, a she's still in, in in the tech scene. She's doing a great job um, over. I think she's over at BT, and she took me under her wing um, very early on and showed me all the different tips and tricks and tools and um, helped me understand what were the things that I like to do in analysis and what the things that I didn't do. So I'm not super techie as a business analyst. I can't talk code. Some some BAs can, and that's great. Um, but what I can do is I can translate between business and techie, and vice versa. So if you know developers or testers or architects need a business answer, I can I can take that information and go back to you know the decision makers and be like, okay, so we need to know: do you want it green or do you want it pink? Uh, do you want it this code of pink or do you want it this color of pink? Yeah. So um, yeah, I got I got very good at kind of bouncing between the two areas um and and i enjoyed that the most and um my mentor is she's great she, I, we still catch up every now and again and uh, even now we kind of use each other as sounding posts as we go along so that's been quite a long time that we've um that we've known each other and uh yeah it's 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 just like a, a really beautiful harmony harmony that we have there and i love it I, oh, mentorship is huge for me and at Jobs for Women. I absolutely love that. I think um, that's so, it's so empowering to know that you, you took that sideways step. Do you think for people listening, because this comes up a lot at Jobs for Women, mm. this, you know, changing careers, like back in the day, it was like you had one job at one company. And I feel yeah. like, you know, women, whether they have kids and decide to leave, you know, we're all perhaps a point where we're thinking about doing something different and you've yeah. just you've just shown us that it's possible to take that sideways step for people listening that are at the earlier earlier end of the career yeah. uh, at start of the career rather do you need a degree now no no and, and and i mean i've worked um obviously i've worked in uh, not just for the charity i've worked in consultancy as well for for over five years and, and i've worked quite a lot in recruitment because i really enjoy meeting new people and diverse talent and, and encouraging people from all sorts of backgrounds to get into analysis and into the companies that i've worked at before and i think it's a bit of a misconception. It's great to have qualifications. So um, with being an analyst, you can go through the BCS qualifications, you can get yourself a diploma. And um, there are international diplomas as well. And then there are more specific 
uh, qualifications that you can get around working in agile working in scrum and um, all these different types of things and they are all great i'm not definitely not going to poo poo on those but they're not necessarily the essential thing to get your foot in the door um, and a lot of people will will use them as a, a kind of an accessory to their experience so you know your experience isn't always about being having been experienced in the job role it's about the transferable skills that you can bring into those job roles so you might have worked you know in a completely different office environment doing something totally different but you your transferable skills might be your communication they might be you know facilitating conversations or um, writing up you know, writing detailed reports that you can then use those skills and bring them over to to what you were doing i've interviewed people you know met over the years who have come from all walks of life and found themselves in, um, in in analysis roles and gone on to being product managers product owners all sorts of uh, of different kind of tech roles along the way and use the analysis Kind of skill set as the base for moving on to other things and the same when you want to come in it's like don't look at i think for women we always look at a job description we go okay there's 10 things on there i need to be able to you know show you how i can do all 10 of those and how i've got experience whereas i think there's our counterparts who probably will like look at it and go i can do like three or four i'll just go for it and see what happens i think we probably need to be a little bit more on that side of going i can do some of it and I can learn the rest. And I think having the right attitude to and, and drive to want to learn and want to develop yourself and want, you know, that that uh, it's a it's quite hard to quantify, I suppose, in a test. But, you know, uh, a an aptitude for wanting to learn and wanting to be, um, you know, in the next role that is that you're inspiring to be is is a huge skill and talent to have and and, and be able to show and demonstrate that to somebody it can be quite hard. But I think with the with you know the right recruitment processes and the right people involved that it's probably it comes out in your behavior and how you talk and your passion oh yeah a hundred percent and and just to pinpoint what you said about the right recruitment process we know that so mm -hmm. many companies don't have it but yeah and i'm with you on the transferable skills also yeah. what i'm hearing you say is there's kind of two different types of analysts almost that you don't have to be able to read code like you said and i think that's yeah. part of the battle isn't it breaking down those barriers yeah um, and what so what obstacles have you faced like you've you've you're smashing your career you're now <laughs> a director um i know that you're um uh diversity and equality enthusiast which i love woo, woo. Uh, what about obstacles what have you faced in your career that you can share with us yeah i think there's a couple of stories that I, i've shared i think maybe one of them you heard when we were when i did um my whip boss event but um there was one there's there's been challenges especially working maybe more so working in consultancy but you go into these roles and then these engagements with clients who are they're not necessarily very pleased that you're there because you know somebody's brought you in but it might not be the people that you actually day-to-day -day work with and those you know i've, I've been in in meetings where i've kind of just really being ignored, being you know spoken over, being kiboshed, and you know partly I I could I could come up with a few reasons why being the only you know the only woman on that call or the only woman on that engagement, um, and that's really hammered in my imposter syndrome. You know the the that horrible feeling that you get at the bottom of your stomach when you're just like oh god, and you want like a, a hole to open up and the floor and you can just sink in and disappear and nothing nobody ever notices. Um, so I've been in you know situations where I've had clients that have been you know quite you know negative towards me being there, and I think some of it's been around how I've got to overcome that. Some of it is just 
been consistently showing up despite that horrible dread that you get getting out of bed on a morning but knowing that I've got to keep going because I want to get to the end I'm also really stubborn um so I don't like to give up easily um but that being said on on this particular engagement I did I did hold my hands up and speak to you know the management and 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 say look I don't feel like I'm making progress I've tried every single avenue that I feel like speaking to individuals on a one-to-one basis because this these um negative behaviors were coming out in group environments so it was like okay speak to them one-on-one there was no problems nothing was being raised I was making very little progress so deadlines were creeping up and, and things were falling behind and I was like okay I need to I need to get help and I think that's one thing is where we um probably more so as women where we face adversity it isn't a bad thing to kind of ask for help if you feel like you have reached the end of everything that you can do to move something in, into a positive or you know in in the right way so so that you can get a resolution out of it um i was really lucky that the management team who who i was working with were really supportive they made sure that they followed up on the channels behind the scenes and they they wrote, they brought the brought the issues up and i i got an apology out the end of it which was uh <laughs> which was quite surprisingly um i well received i was very polite about it i took the apology you kind of know that it was forced to be to be given but um it's still <laughs> it was it was still an experience of impost massive imposter syndrome and still something that like plays in the back of my mind but i'm also really really grateful that i had that support system of the senior managers around me who listened to me who took my concerns uh, you know as, as seriously as as what i was feeling they they understood my emotions and and how how i was feeling about it um and you know they helped resolve that in the best way that could be done for both the business and for for the clients that we were working with at the time i think that's also a great message for anyone listening about like you know you're so successful and you've been there done it got the t-shirt had the imposter syndrome but actually calling out the behavior is huge it's like that grassroots approach isn't it we talk about that yeah. all the time at jobs for women so we've talked about challenges what what are you what any highs any any like that is my career highlight to date oh gosh that's a great question um i think this is going to sound really cheesy i think being able to because I've worked, I've worked for other people. This year is the the year that I moved into working for Optimo, which is a business that my wife started, and it was always kind of our grand plan was we worked, we met working together, and we always thought we worked so well together, we should do this as like an actual business. And I think being able to kind of walk away from working for somebody else and actually being a director in a business where people rely on me to to like make decisions and stick to them and pay the bills and do all the kind of things that running a business comes with that's probably a a pretty a pretty good moment um in in my career so far um an absolutely scary as anything kind of decision at the same time but still yeah one of the one of the moments where i think this was the right decision for me and I suppose when you you know it when you know it feels right, it is the right thing for you. And you've got a kind of I'm very I'm a very firm believer in trusting your intuition and your gut. And if it feels right on the inside, then you have you know you've got to got to give it its minute and and enjoy it. Yeah, one hundred percent. I hear you. I feel you. Um. So my next question is like, what is the day to day like? What what what? And that this leads in perfectly because you can tell us a bit more about what Optimo do. So like when you wake up, what is it? What is what does your day look like? 
Uh, so I'm gonna be like sounding like a bit of a cliche. I get up and I go to the gym normally. Um, so I go to the gym three times a week, three to four times a week normally. Get up six fifteen, which people are like that's an ungodly hour. I know, but the reason why I go to the gym so early is my body is not awake, and I get myself to the gym. I do my class, and by the time I've finished, my brain catches up with my body and goes, "Oh, we're doing stuff." Okay, um, so it's it's enough time that I can do something without my brain actively realizing that I'm making it. You know, do something silly uh, to keep me fit. It's also a really good form of um, like it's good for my mental health it's it's like yeah i find it like therapy for me going to the gym is 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 that for me it's really good um so then go, do the gym get home we normally have uh i have a like a, a call a stand-up call with my team on a morning that's just to go through kind of what their focus is for the day making sure that they're up to speed with everything that they're that, that they're tasked to do so whether that's uh our marketing uh, our marketing guys our guys that run the floor doing delivery and working with clients giving them the opportunity to bring any problems, any things that they've got kind of blocking their way for for that day or for the days ahead. Um, and then we kind of go into our day. So I'm a big, when you're in a small business, you're kind of a jack of all trades. So I'll do a little bit of planning uh, and strategy. So where we're going to be heading to in the next couple of months, whether we're doing networking events or myself and um, the director, Danielle, will we'll sit down and go, right, where are we planning to go to networking? Which you know, which meetings do we want to be seen at? That kind of stuff. Who, we, who do we want to be speaking to about potentially speaking at those events and, and being participating in those? So now we do go, have a bit of time going through there. Um, once a week we sit down and we have a team meeting they're normally like 20 minutes of just chatting and getting you know having that time together because we all work remotely in our homes we get together in person once a month to actually see see each other and high five and pat each other on the back um, but it's nice to, um, you know, to to have those team meetings every week um, then it's a little bit of marketing so where where are we heading with our marketing who are we speaking to um, what posts are we putting out thinking about blogs case studies from our clients then speaking with our clients to see making sure that they're happy so a little bit of account management uh yeah it's and then at some point we do really try and get out and do a little bit of a lap of the um of, of where i live uh here in leeds so a little bit of green space one thing i really like i really enjoy is just having a walk around the block where i can hear the birds um and not the and not the cars and the traffic and the you know and all the other distracting noises so being around a little bit of greenery uh, on a daily basis really helps kind of quieten the mind a little bit especially with all those other things that are that are happening we've got to just get in because we spoke off the pod about the b corp because yeah. in, in amongst all of that you've also yeah. talked to us talk to us about that yeah, so um, for for kind of those who might not know, so B Corp is um, a B Corp certification. It's uh, awarded to organisations, um, and basically, it's a certification to say that you are an, an ethical business in terms of both people and uh, and the planet. So it's thinking that it's basically um, available to people, anybody actually, any organisation can apply, go through the process. 
it's not easy but it's a it's a really good lens to put your business under in terms of how ethical are you with the business that you run how you know do you think about the people that you're doing business with so whether they're your clients your suppliers your employees your associates anybody that you basically have any involvement with um, and and it, it puts a lens over various areas um of, of your organization to make you think are you you know are you pay, paying your staff fairly against the, the there's the minimum living wage versus the national uh, minimum wage. So it's the it's understanding the differences between the two, making sure you've got things for your employees. Like, do you have you know are you, are you kind of keeping track of how diverse your workforce is? Do you understand how diverse your suppliers are and, and who your clients are and have they got policies around uh, you know diversity inclusion or around sustainability all those types of things so it's a it's a certificate that the that optimo have been working towards for about 18 months in total so uh, my wife started before i joined and um just at the back end of august we were um, finally awarded our certification so we are actually um i have to get this right we are the first yorkshire-based female-founded lgbtq plus consultancy <laughs> so it's a mouthful but yeah it's something we're really really proud of because it's been a lot of a lot of hard work from the team to to pull together all the facts and the figures because it's a lot of data that you have to um you have to prove it's not it's one of those things that it's a great certification to have it's a difficult process because if it was easy everybody would be doing it and everybody would have one and it's not that easy <laughs> nature stand out well well done I, 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 you should be immensely proud of yourself so we have to wrap up pretty soon but i've got just a couple more questions left sure. looking back is yeah. there anything that you wish you'd have done differently in your career that's a really good question i think i probably would have got into analysis a lot sooner than waiting until my 30s although 30s is a great era for you know for me and um, it brought me an awful lot of fun it definitely was probably something that I could have done a lot sooner and experienced a lot of different organizations in that role so whilst I was I spent a long time working for a debt charity and you know quite a lot of that time I was working as an analyst and I think was when I left it and I started experiencing how analysis was used in other, other organizations it really started to see my own personal and professional growth um so I think I probably that would be one of the things I would have done is I would have got into it a lot lot sooner yeah great answer and what's the best piece of advice you've ever received that you'd like to pass on to someone considering a similar career path or even a career move um probably two things yes it's going to be really really scary but do it uh do it petrified do it scared but do it because uh i think i read once um i think it was a brene brown quote or something that was like you, you can you know you you can do it you know whether your brain will tell you you can't but you should run towards the things that absolutely petrify you and and i love that that's one of the things that like i sit in my mind this year i like overcame a massive fear of standing in front of 100 people and telling my story about how i got to where i was in my in my career i've never stood in front of a room of 50 people never mind 100 people um and it was one of those things i was absolutely petrified it's not my comfort zone despite being an analyst who normally stands in front of people and plays things back to them talking about yourself is horrible so um yeah do things that absolutely petrify you and i think the extra bonus one i'll kind of say is 
find people that will not only be your cheerleaders but will also challenge you so you don't want people around you that will just be like oh yeah you're so right you want somebody to go ah but is that really what you want to do like is that the right thing to do you want somebody to challenge your thinking not just to be your whoop whoop yes they're great but you want somebody just to make sure that they give you a reality check as well so whether that's what the same person or whether these are two different roles that you have in your life definitely find you know find those people that give you that balanced view brilliant advice and my final question what kind of impact do you hope to leave in your field oh gosh um i hopefully would like to think that i will leave a legacy of people being genuine and authentic in in who they are in whatever role that they have and whether that's as an analyst as a director as whatever it is being your authentic and you know normal self and being able to be you as an individual is really powerful whether you know you're in a, in a minority or a majority whatever it is when people can see you for who you really are that's where the magic really comes amazing answer thank you so much for joining us vicky that was so insightful i always learn so much on these chats thank you for joining us <laughs> thanks so much for having me i've had so much fun